Jewish audio on Chabad.org. Rambam Mishnah Torah, Hilchis Bikurim, the laws of the first fruits and the <coughs> gifts which the Torah gives to the Kohen. Perik Sheni, chapter 2. Mitzvahs Asei, now that we've covered the general gifts <coughs> in chapter 1, he moves on to the headline subject here, which is Bikurim, the first fruits. It is a positive commandment, Lahavi, that the Jew, the farmer, must bring Bikurim, first fruits, Lamigdosh, to the Beis Hamigdosh. So that this was a precept that the first fruits had to be brought to the Holy Temple. And this is only observed when there is a holy temple, when there is a Beis HaMikdosh, and when the Jews find themselves, or when the farmer finds himself in Eretz Yisrael. As it says, The first of the fruits of your land, and as we will see, the word your land is an important word in this mitzvah. Tovi, you must bring base Hashem Elokecha to the house of Hashem, your God. So in this verse we find your land, which is Eretz Yisrael, and we find base Hashem Elokecha, the base Hamigdash. As an outgrowth of that, the Rambam brings down, Omevi, and we bring Bikurim, the first fruits, Shall Divreim rabbinically mandated <coughs> not only from Israel proper, which is the west bank of the Jordan, but also from the east bank of the Jordan, the lands of Sichon and Og, which Moshe conquered, Misuria, as well as from Syria, there were large Jewish communities that lived in Syria, very close to Israel, so that rabbinically the Bikurim law was extended to Syria as well because it was close by and there's no reason a Jew could not bring it to the Beis HaMikdash. Because the law is, Shehakene Bisuria, that somebody who purchases land in Syria for the purposes of gifts, Kekene Yerushalayim, it's tantamount as if he purchased in Jerusalem. Avobat Amenumayav, the lands of Ammon and Moab, which are the further outlying areas of Jordan, not the immediate East Bank, Obovel, <coughs> and Babylon, Afalpishahain, Chayov, and Betruma, over even though we learned earlier that the obligation of Truma the gift to the Kohen, the 2%, the obligation of Maeser, the 10% to the Levi, does apply in those countries, Midivrehem rabbinically, but Ein Mevi and Mehem Bikurim. The Bikurim mitzvah does not apply to the lands of Ammon and Moab and Babylon, even though they were relatively, and that's the buzzword, close to Israel and had large Jewish populations and had the mandate of Truma and Miser. 
And therefore, because it's simply exempt, if somebody brought Bikurim first fruits from lands considered outside of Israel, diaspora lands, they're not Bikurim, they don't have the sanctity of Bikurim, they're not treated as Bikurim, and so on and so forth. Which produce is Bikurim brought from? Ein mevi'im Bikurim. We only bring Bikurim. Ela mishivas aminim ho'amurim b'shevachar. It's only from the seven species which Israel is praised for. Ve'heim and these seven species are hachitim wheat, v'aseidim and barley, v'ho'anovim and grapes, v'atenim and figs, v'arimenim and pomegranates. V'azesim and olives, v'atmorim and dates. Those are the shivas haminim. V'mhei v'chutz mishivas haminim. And if he brought bikurim from any other species outside the seven species, he brought from strawberries, blueberries, kumquats, watermelons, whatever. Leinis kadoshu, or leinis kachu. They simply do not take on the sanctity of bikurim. It's not a bikurim experience. It's just bringing fruit, but it has no Bikurim identity. Gimel, furthermore, the produce from which Bikurim is brought has to be not only the right species, but the top quality of the right species. And therefore, just because we said that dates are a species from which Bikurim is brought we do not bring bikurim first fruits from the dates in the mountains because they're not quality dates those that grow in the mountains nor from the fruits of the valleys again these were <coughs> specifically not quality fruits nor do we Bring Bikurim from oil-producing olives that are not top-of-the-line. Bikurim has to be top quality. Not from the Ralph's selection, only from Gelson's. Ela mitmorim shebamokim. Rather, Bikurim should be brought from dates in the valleys. And from fruits in the mountains. Those are the quality foods. Lefi, because Shehem, they are min the best. Vimhevi, if he brought Shalei min not from the best, he going tomorrow Shabaharim like the dates of the mountains, or Te'enim Suris, or or figs that were perforated and uh, had oil applied to them, Vanovim, Mubois, or Moshonis, and dusty and smoked grapes. Lower quality foods. Produce, lay niskadoshu, they do not become holy because Bikurim must be a top of the line product. Now the question is we learned about seven species. Can the seven species be brought in liquid form? For example, one of the species is pomegranates. Can we bring pomegranate juice? We do not bring the first fruits in liquid form, juices, liquids, chutz, with the exception of those two foods, which are all about 
they are liquids. And they are zesim, olives, because olives, eating olives is a very secondary experience to using olive oil. Va'anovim, and eating grapes is a very secondary experience to wine. Olives is about olive oil. Grapes is about wine. They may be brought in their liquid form. Shenemar, as it says, pri but as far as the other <coughs> species are concerned. Again, a good example would be pomegranates. It's the fruit of the land, veloy mashka, not the liquid. And if he brought liquids from other <coughs> of the seven species other than dates and grapes, ein mikablin mimenu, it is not accepted, it is not received, it's rejected. Now we know that there are dried fruits and there are fresh fruits. For example, grapes are fresh. Raisins are dried grapes. So he says, Those who are close to Jerusalem, <coughs> should preferably, be, preferably bring fresh figs, fresh grapes. However, those who are far, can bring dried figs and can bring raisins. Because of the distance, they don't have the time to maintain the freshness. So they can bring the dried fruits. What about when? (coughs) What is the season of Bikurim? So we know (coughs) there is a special connection between Bikurim and Shavuos. We do not bring the first fruit gift before the festival of Shavuos. Shanemar, as the verse says, the Chag HaKotzer, the festival of harvest, Bikure Masecha, the first fruits of your work, so that Shavuos is known as the festival of first fruits. <coughs> what if somebody brought first fruits before Shavuos? Ein Mekablan Mimenu, we don't accept it from him. Elo Yanichem Shom. We put it away, and we have it sit there, until Shavuos comes, and then he can make the declaration that a Jew makes when he brings Bikurim. And so also, what about the end of the season? How long into the season can somebody continue bringing Bikurim? All summer, but not past Hanukkah. You don't bring Bikurim Achar Hanukkah. Sha Bikurim Shabikru Achar Hanukkah because Bikurim, first fruits which ripened after Hanukkah, it's next year's produce already. They should be brought after Shuas. Zayin. We learned about the new crop and the old crop, and every species has its new year for vegetation. The new year is Rosh Hashanah. For trees, it's Tu Bishvat. Ein Mevi'in Bikurim, we don't bring first fruits, not from the new crop, for the old crop, not from the old crop, for the new crop. It has to be the right year. 
Ketzad, for example, if you're talking about fruit from trees, you don't bring produce that budded before the 15th of Shvat for produce which budded after the 15th of Shvat. Echad anatua, whether it's planted, echad oil where it grows on its own. Shenemar, as it says, bikure kol asher ba'arts on the first fruits of everything in their land. Ches eid, upedis shel shutofim. What about fruit of partners? Meaning the fruit belongs to two people. Is that a problem? He says it's not a problem. Chayovim, they are obligated. Bibikurim, to bring the first fruit. Shenemar, bikure kol asher ba'artzom. The first fruits of everything that's in their land, even though it belongs to partners. Tess, the laws of Bikurim are obviously stricter than some of the laws we learned earlier. Hagodel when produce grows in a flower pot, even though we learned earlier <coughs> that if the flower pot has a hole in it, it connects to the ground, and it's like the land... Or, another scenario of a Hagodol Bisvina, something that grows in a boat, which we learned earlier, connects somehow to the land. It's not appropriate to bring Bikurim for, because the key word in the Torah for Bikurim is, Shanamar Be'artsam in their land. And a flower pot is not land, and a boat is not land. But maybe one can bring produce that grows on a roof or in a ruin as long as it grows, I guess, in soil. What if somebody plants a tree in his field? And here we learned about this earlier in other laws. And what he does is he extends it into his friend's field. He takes a branch, folds it over, and extends it into his friend's field or into a public domain. And then he plants it. The end of it. Or vice versa. The tree was growing in his friend's field. Or it was in the public domain. And he went and folded it over, extended it into his field. Or the main part of it was in his field. He took a little piece of it, an extremity, and put it in his field. More the public domain, or a private domain, or a private road separates between the two places in his own domain. All of these scenarios, Aina maybe Bikurim, he does not bring Bikurim. Laymi Mashahitsi Bishuzu, not from what was brought out from this domain, and not from the other side, Shanamar as it says <coughs> again another key word Bikure Admoscha or Admosecha, your land. 
It has to be totally grown from your land, not from public domain, and not from somebody else's land. What if his colleague said it's okay? You can take the end of your branch and put it in my field. I feel the shaw. Even if he gave him temporary permission, then it's with the blessing of the friend, so he has ownership. Now he can bring Bikurim from this. If the tree was very close to the boundary that he has with his friend, colleague, or it's leaning over into the field of his colleague, even though he should keep his distance, he may not only bring the fruits, but he may also make the proclamation, which really is a sign that it's real Bikurim. When the Torah permits us to make the proclamation, Shalmanas Cain Hinchel Yeshua Saaretz, because this was one of the conditions that Yeshua specified when he allowed, when he gave the Jewish people dominion and inheritance of the land. This was one of those conditions that he specked out, and the commentaries talk about this. On the other hand, twelve Oarisim <coughs> sharecroppers. What is a sharecropper? A sharecropper is someone who gets paid a percentage of the crop for harvesting your field. So it's not his field. It's your field. So he can't bring Bikurim. Vihachakirin, or tenant farmers, again a tenant farmer, <coughs> pays rent for the crop, but it's not his field. Or or during the Roman occupation, they used to have tough guys, like Muslim men. We used to come in and forcibly remove the Jewish owners. And would take their land for less. I guess, what if this Muslim man was a Jew? Is he allowed to bring Bikurim? And just robbers, people who came and stole the land. All of the above, Anon may be and Bikurim may not bring first fruits. Even if the owners of the lands gave up on ever having the lands, Shanam Marcos, when it comes to Bikurim, there's a special emphasis on the words Bikurei Ad Moscha, your land. And in all of the above, sharecroppers, tenant form, farmers, men of force, robbers, all of the above, it's not their land. Yud Gimel 13, somebody purchases a tree within someone else's field, but it's my tree. I bought a tree in your field. Aina maybe cannot bring, because he may have bought the, tree, bought the tree, but he didn't buy the land around it. And you need to have land for Bikurim. Shlesha, but if somebody buys not one tree, but three trees, yes, Shlekarka here, with three trees come enough land to be able to have it be considered land. Even though technically he only bought trees, when somebody buys three trees, it's as if he bought land that goes with it. 
What if Kono, Elon, Echad, he bought one tree, Vikarkoi, with the land around it, with the soil around it, and he said, maybe then there's no problem because he has a tree, he has fruit, and he has land. What if somebody purchases fruit that has been harvested and <coughs> at the same time purchases the land where it is grown? So now he has fruit and he has land. Maybe because he can bring the first fruits. Shall he actually carco pay the sale because he has land and fruit? If he was sold fruit and not land, I feel him even still attached. Maybe the seller can't bring because he sold the fruit. Maybe the buyer can't bring because he has no land. So here's a situation where neither of them can bring. But what if the seller goes? and repurchase the fruit from the buyer, maybe now he could bring <coughs> because at the moment he has land and fruit. Tesva fifteen if somebody sells his field to a Gentile, so the Gentile does not have the mitzvah of Bikurim. And then he buys it back from the Gentile. Even biblically, the obligation is that the Jew bring the first fruits. Because the fact that the non-Jew, the Gentile, purchased it does not absolve the Jew from the mitzvah of Bikurim as we explained much earlier. And the much earlier is in the laws of Truma, chapter 1, halacha 10. He spells out this exact scenario. Tezayin ashero shebitla. What about a tree designated for idol worship? And that tree is usually described in the Torah as an ashero tree. And then, as we learned earlier in the laws of idolatry, this Ashera tree was nullified. It was undone. It's no longer an idolatry tree. Still, one should not bring the first fruits from this tree that was once an idolatry tree. Because Bikurim have the sanctity, the first fruits have the sanctity of the holy items of the Beis Hamikdash, and it's not appropriate for something that was once connected to idolatry to be brought as a holy item of the Beis Hamikdash, which Bikurim is similar to. Now the question is, how much, how, what is the measure of the obligation of Bikurim? Bikurim ain't lahem shir Bikurim have no minimum, have no measure but rabbinically our sages ordained that the appropriate number for Bikurim is one sixtieth. In the case of Bikurim, there is no maximum. If somebody wants to make his whole crop first fruits, no one's going to stop him. But our sages 
did institute a minimum, and that is one sixtieth of the crop. Yudches, hifrish bikura, what if somebody set aside first fruits? And, and I want to point out here so we could really understand that the whole bikurim exercise was an exercise not only in a, an agricultural experience, not only in giving koanim gifts, but it, it had to do a lot with Jewish pride. It had to do with the fact that the Jew would march with his Bikurim to Jerusalem, and the Bikurim would be gorgeous, and uh, they'd have a special section in the LA Times showing the nicest Bikurim, and so on and so forth. It was an experience, the Bikurim experience. We're going to learn more about that. Yudches, Hifrish Bikurim, what if he set aside his Bikurim, his first fruits? And then he added more. He looked at his basket, and he says, nah. He put more in. Aitron, or he decorated it. He adorned them. <coughs> so the question is, is the second addition also, does it also take on the sanctity of Bikurim? The answer is yes. That which was added is just like Bikurim. When does this apply? When he brought these first fruits from the land of Israel. Or he brought, as we learned earlier in this chapter, from adjacent to Eretz Yisrael, which is Transjordan or Syria. I'm sorry. If he brought from Transjordan or from Syria, which is not technically Literally, Eretz Yisrael, even though we included it earlier, the addition is not Bikurim. Even though it's not like Bikurim, Bikurim, nevertheless, when it's eaten, it must be consumed in a state of purity. Now, what produce can we use to decorate Bikurim? The answer is the same produce from which we bring Bikurim, and that is only the seven species. You test what's the system of Bikurim, and this is a famous teaching. How do we separate Bikurim? The answer is, a person descends down into his field, and he sees, Te'eno Shebikro. He sees fig, a fig tree that began budding Eshkel on He sees a cluster of grapes, Remain Shebikr, or pomegranate tree that began to bud. So these are for him his first fruits. It's exciting. Keshron Bigmi takes a blade of grass a reed, the, it ties them around it, it ties a yellow ribbon around the old oak tree, the Yemer, and he says, I have just designated this as my first fruits. He doesn't pluck it yet, he doesn't harvest it yet, because it's still growing. But he has identified it. And they become first fruits while they're still attached to the ground. 
because what he did is he proclaimed them verbally as Bikurim. That's called Even though they haven't yet ripened sufficiently, which is why all he did is he tied something around it. But when they will ripen, and he will harvest them and detach them from the ground, from the connection to the earth, because he doesn't have to proclaim them Bikurim again, because he already did. What if he did not designate them while they were still connected to the ground? What if he did not verbally proclaim them Bikurim? And then he plucked them, then he harvested them. Then he can identify them as Bikurim after they were harvested. Now, what if his entire crop, all of the produce, became ritually defiled? Bikurim is holy. He should not set aside Bikurim in a state of defilement. He should go to another source of produce and take from the new, pure, ritually pure source of produce for the old that became defiled. What if he doesn't have other produce? The Rambam says, it appears to me, and whenever the Rambam uses the expression, it appears to me, this is his. Chidush, his revelation, that it's better that he not set aside Bikurim in a state of ritual impurity. Because what's going to happen to it? It's just going to get ruined. And this is what it appears is the halacha to me, says the Rambam. Unlike truma, which is defiled, what happens to the truma that's defiled? The Kohen uses it for heating. That's what we learned. Truma is defiled, the Kohen uses it for fuel. But Bikurim that are defiled ritually, he does not use it for fuel. <coughs> Why? This is what we learned in the last chapter. Truma does not have the sanctity of a sacrifice. We learned that the Truma is given to the male and the female Kohenim equally. But Bikurim took on the sanctity of a sacrifice. So therefore, we have to be careful what to do with the defiled Bikurim. And therefore, Amafrish Bikurov. If somebody set aside his first fruits, and then... They they're no longer useful because they rotted away, were taken by others, they were lost, they were stolen, or they became impure. Then he must set aside other produce in their place. You shall bring to the house of God. Your God, Melamed, this teaches us, that he's responsible for them, until they get to the holy temple. And if he doesn't, says the Rambam, he should replace them. 
If somebody sets aside his first fruits and his intention is that he himself is going to deliver them to Yerushalayim physically, then he should not have second thoughts and send them through a messenger. He shouldn't call the FedEx guy and say, here, take my Bikurim. Because he had in mind to begin with to do it. This was the experience that Jews would parade, as I pointed out earlier, to Jerusalem with their Bikurim. But if to begin with, this was his plan, that he wasn't up to going, and he was going to appoint a proxy to do so, that would be fine, and he may send them. End of chapter 2.